Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by Claire, the founder of the Kai Erdley Foundation, um, which is also known as Kai Fella. And Claire is Kai's mum. So Claire is going to speak with us about her experience of losing Kai to mental illness and raging anxiety leading or ending in suicide. Um, speak with us about her experiences of that and how that led to the foundation of Kai Fella and everything in between. So thank you so much for joining me this morning, Claire. Thank you for having me. Uh, so if we get started, can you tell us a little bit about Kai? Yeah. Um, yeah, Kai was, um, I mean, he had the world at his feet. He was the most energetic, um, enigmatic, handsome young man, um, high achieving, incredibly smart, incredibly naughty as well. Um, <laughs> so, you know, whether those two things go hand in hand. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, naughty, funny, entertaining, smart, um, you know, a typical... Yeah, a typical little boy growing up. So, um, yeah, was um, had a, had a few hiccups on on his road through school. Ended up um, graduating from Aquinas um, and studying physiotherapy, and was in his second year of um, physiotherapy when, unfortunately, the wheels came crashing, falling off. So, and we're recording this a little bit early, so we're recording this. Uh, for five days prior to the five-year anniversary, yeah, uh, this we're putting this episode out in um, in response to Suicide Awareness Day. Yeah. So, how old was how old was Kai five years um, ago? So yeah, so he was just twenty. Um, it was six weeks. Still a baby. Yeah, six weeks before his twenty-first. So, um, typically, um, you know, a hard year from a, a social anxiety point of view. I think. Um, he he'd, he'd battled with his anxiety for um, probably since year 11, year 12, when obviously the workload gets really mm. uh, intense and he'd put himself under a, a huge amount of pressure to achieve and to get a high ATAR, um, which, you know, in retrospect, it, it's really irrelevant. It's just a number. It doesn't really yeah, mean it doesn't, anything, does it? It doesn't really mean anything. So, um, you know, studied studied really hard, had had some panic attacks, had some anxiety during and throughout that year 11, year 12 period. Um, yeah, did did well enough to, to get in and to do physiotherapy. And then, um, yeah, it was July before he would have been 21 on in September that we lost him. So it must have been absolutely devastating. Yes. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't ever want to go through that. And I have you found words to be able to describe what that was like? Um look, people ask me did I know if if I knew Kai was struggling? Yes, I did. Kai Kai um was incredibly sad. He he um he struggled with um being left but he was he was very anxious he didn't really want to be left by himself he was struggling with sleeping we'd been on on the day that we actually um lost him he was at the psychiatrist in the morning who um and and I I'd gone with him and and the whole problem with with youth and male um anxiety I think in from my perspective and again everything that I say comes from my own 
personal experience. Hmm. And that's, um, I suppose, yeah. That's I'm a, not an expert. That's a good a qualification to make is that we are speaking as, I'm talking to you as Kai's mum. Yeah. I'm not talking I'm not to you a, as a, a health, psychiatrist or I'm a counsellor. I'm or, not a health professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in the, in the early parts, you know, I brought the boys up to, I've, I'm the mother of three. Um, and Kai was my middle child. Um, two didn't have it seemed to be branded with the with any anxiety and and he seemed to cop it cop the lot he got the family share yeah and and you know you think that you parent your boys equally and I brought them up to be independent and you know sometimes I think from an anxiety point of view that probably doesn't work in their favor so you know my advice for him to go to the GP and to get on a mental health plan um even that was overwhelming for him you know he Mm. didn't have the words to to speak to the doctors or to get the help that he wanted or to get the medication that he wanted so you know then as a parent you know as an 18 year old you sort of take away a lot of those skills that you've given him to 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 be self-sufficient and you go well okay come on I'll take you to the doctor Mm -hmm. you know I'll step in and it's a double-edged sword because you're helping them but you're almost you know demasculating them in in a way because you're taking away that adulthood that you've tried mm. to give them so um it's yeah. hard because you you want to step in and be the advocate for somebody who you love yeah but at 18 they're deemed to be mm. adult enough to but that he didn't have the words he didn't have the words to describe it and I think that's um you know that was really challenging for me as a parent to to actually witness that and take you know step in and take him to the doctors and and to get all the you know the you know the disability the depression questionnaire filled out and to see just how sad this little person was um because it's the sadness that you or i probably well hopefully will never have Mm. have to feel and i think if you're you know if you're living with that degree of pain and sadness um yeah you know they say that suicide isn't isn't chosen it 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 just has to happen to Mm. be rid of the pain so um you know it wasn't my plan for kai it's not what i would have chosen um but to know that whatever he's doing is he's in a better place than what he was when he was here so um and you know the legacy of what we've started for the foundation um his name will live on and yeah his his name will become a household name and be yeah and hopefully help other other young men and other young west australians that's the plan yeah there's a beautiful saying that um well i think it's beautiful that we have three deaths. So our first is when we take our last breath. The second is when our body returns to the earth. And our third is when our name is spoken for the last time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, his name will never be spoken for the last time. Yeah. So his name will be, yeah, he will be remembered. So that's, my goal is to say his name every day. So mm. um, as hard as it is, obviously, to talk about, um, you know, the events of that day, Um yeah, yeah. We will we will continue to to try and make a difference and change the stigma that's around suicide. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, the foundation that we've set up is is aimed at giving boys a voice. Um, you know, having been a parent and tried to implement all the things and put the things into place for him, I think the thing that I didn't give him was the voice and the ability just to speak out and just to tell me exactly how sad he was. So, yeah. um, that's sort of where our foundation evolved from. So. And it's true, we do kind of have this this thing that we we should be happy every single day. Yeah. And, you know, this pressure to to not necessarily share when we're not feeling on top of the world. Yeah. And, you know, the response is quite often, Well, chin up, she'll be right. Yeah. 
yeah that yeah. kind of thing yeah the stiff upper lip yeah um and you know i'm probably guilty of that with an english heritage of of te- you know teaching them to toughen up princess mm-hmm. um you know and we really need to understand that there is a softer side that can be seen by boys and it is okay for boys to cry yeah and we we can't expect them to be the alpha male you know 24 7 and they're gonna have off days i think with you know thinking about the way that I'm raising my children I'm not necessarily raising them to toughen up but at the same time we do you know we do sit around the dinner table and make sure that we're focusing on the positives yeah and you know we share one good thing about the day and it's something that I used to do when I was teaching dance classes as well we'd go around the circle and share one good thing about the week yeah it's really interesting to see adults they could you know come up with 15 negatives but struggle to come up with the positives Yeah, yeah because of that I think that I'm raising my children to not that I don't want to hear about the negatives, but it puts so much emphasis on tell me about the positives and how yeah. can we look at this on the brighter side that yeah. perhaps we're not giving enough space to, yeah. you know. I mean, obviously there needs to be space, needs to be space to explore the sadness. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to fall into the hole of sadness that you find it impossible to climb to out dig of. Dig yourself back out. Yeah. 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 So can I ask, how did Kai die and how did you find out about that? Um, yes, you, yeah, you can. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's so many ironies, but so Kai, um, Kai means ocean, um, and it means shell, um, in, in other languages. Um, he died in the water. Um, he was a diver. Um, he knew about weight belts and restraining himself under the water. Um, so he'd, he, um, took himself off to, to the river and um yeah weighted himself down to the bottom of the river um we we were looking for him on the afternoon of the wednesday the 26th and we couldn't locate him um at my house at his girlfriend's house um and it just transpired that uh we could use a locate my phone um we found him at Blackall Reach which is one of the spots where the kids used to hang out we found his clothes um and I think at that time at about 6 p.m on that night I think him I think I thought he'd fallen um I didn't think that he'd I thought he'd fallen and he banged his head um I didn't think he'd opted to, to opt out of this world but um it wasn't until the next day that um they um did a, a dive and located his body the next morning so, so police found him. Uh, yeah, there, there was a land search and a, a water search for him. Um, but yeah, once we we actually got into um, his bank account details and found out that his last his last purchase had been um, a weight belt, so he'd actually worn two weight belts. Ah. Um, yeah. So yeah, he he. W- they say that um, there isn't really as many frequent cries for help from boys and their mm-hmm. attempts to complete suicide are more successful mm-hmm. when they do decide have a plan. Um, I actually think he maybe tried the day prior um, with a singular weight belt and, yeah, had purchased that weight belt on that day. So he, he had a plan and he stuck to it. Mm. And and I've heard I've heard it talked about um, in the fight, you know, against depression, that again some of the boys feel a little bit demasculated by by the depression, and you know, excuse my French, but it's almost their last 
way of saying fuck you to mm. depression and I'm going to show you who's the boss. And yeah. Uh, and it's the final act of taking their of life. Defiance. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it, it ticks the, the boxes of, get, you know, I can't imagine how much pain you're living in if you're that sad for that length of time. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it, we, we need to give boys skills to to have alternatives and, and to not get into that space, which mm. is my goal. That's, that's what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how long did it take for you to to be able to turn that around and to start the foundation? The foundation almost started instantaneously um, in in the form of a GoFundMe page because I kind of knew that people... Kai was a, a well-loved person within the community and I knew kind of once that the word that word got around people would want to do something and um you know there's only so many flowers that you can be bought mm. um so I thought well it was through the help of a friend we set up um a GoFundMe page for um Beyond Blue mm-hmm. um for the, pretty much it, it just ran for six weeks after he died and we had seventy thousand dollars worth of donations wow. that um we gave to Beyond Blue um and around about that time, so it would have been five years ago, I'd seen on the ABC the, the program that is organised by the Tomorrow Men people called Man Up, and mm-hmm. it's by the guy Tom Harkin who uh, organises the programmes that we support. And so I, I called Beyond Blue and said, oh, you know, we've just donated $70,000 and we'd really, like, we'd really like to support these programmes. And they said, you know, it's not your job to reinvent the wheel once you've given us the money. You know, That's our job now. Yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. ours, and I was like, "Oh, it's a bit, a bit rough, isn't it?" Yeah. Um, seventy grand is a seriously significant donation. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're really excited when we get seventy dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, through and it's through my colleague uh, Emily Lockman at work. She was like, "Well, you don't want to be, you know, raising any more dollars for Beyond Blue. I think you're going to have to uh, branch out and do it yourself." So. We became the Kai Edley Foundation and we sat underneath an umbrella of the Fremantle Foundation in Frio. Um, mm-hmm. So they organise all the administration for you and then they disperse the funds to wherever you want. So we did ah. that for a few years. Um, and we were probably a little bit of an unusual aspect for them because we had so many external people fundraising for us. So it sort of it didn't lose its transparency, but I guess it just evolved to the point whereby we needed to get our own charitable license and that's Mm. the process that we went through in 2019 um just to set ourselves up and to give ourselves that that sort of tax deductible uh recognition within the um acnc or whatever the charitable body is called that you need to have for people to give you a donation that's tax deduction Mm -hmm. so yeah we've got charitable status and um yeah we've got our own board now and um yeah sort of have total control over how the funds raised are are sort of dispersed into the community so mm. that's that's what we want yeah beautiful and do you think that that has has helped you going through that grieving process um I, I mean it's definitely allowed me to yeah um you know I did some work on reframing you know how do you see the how do you see the positive out of the negative um yeah and you know if if we can save one boy's life, then, you know, that's our job well done, really. So yeah. um, the problem with suicide is you don't know how many people haven't fallen through the net. Um, and with suicide rates at the moment, it's, um, yeah, that they're not decreasing no. anytime soon. Mm. So, and I think with the pandemic, we're only going to see more mental health and, and more problems. Um so the programs that we that we sponsor are, are not directed at 
they're not targeting people with mental health they're mm. just um workshops for boys and girls now to explore what it means just to be 14 15 16 growing up in you know 2021 yeah so really raising awareness just just uh, i guess it's um it's just asking questions around you know asking delving a little bit deeper asking that second and third question in you know how are you and how are you really mm. um and just exploring that it's actually okay to not be okay mm. and that sometimes by showing that vulnerable side of yourself you're actually being a little bit more um authentic and more real in the eyes of you and you gain some probably recognition and some status amongst your friends rather than just being the class clown or yeah. it's interesting i actually think that there's that being vulnerable it shows more strength yeah. than anything and, and and i think that you know i've i've only sat through one of the workshops so tomorrow man do a, a number of modules and of so far we've probably delivered we usually we're attempting to deliver up to 200 workshops a year at the moment but we've probably supported you know maybe 250 over the past couple of years um and that's the big outcome is that you know the vulnerability side that you're they're actually able to get their boys to expose mm. because what we sort of see is that boys sort of put on this you know it's the man with the mask when they rock up yeah. at school and it's the bravado and it's it's they're having to be somebody else and not really allowing themselves mm. to be themselves so um the workshop's very powerful yeah and i think that's something that comes through with all of the people that we speak to here as well is that often you know so many issues aren't spoken about publicly yeah so when people are going through for example um, anxiety or depression whether that's teenagers or people at any age in life if people if we don't talk about it yeah then it's really isolating yeah because not only do you feel this incredible sadness or this you know anxiety or however the mental illness um, is exhibiting in you not only are you experiencing that but you're doing it alone and feeling like you need to hide that because yeah. there's shame around it. Yeah. So if we can if we can get people to speak about it more often, then perhaps we'll see people being you know feeling more supported. And I think it's really powerful to know that you're not alone in that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely strength in numbers. Yeah. They say it takes community to raise a child, and I and you know, um, I totally second that. You know, we having emigrated with the kids when they were young. You know. I'd, I found that it was the support from the community after I lost Kai that was like overwhelmingly powerful mm. in in you know keeping me going, getting me going back to work, and you know sometimes <laughs> you could walk down the street and people don't know that you're that yeah. parent that's lost that child, and they might be wondering why you've had a bad day. But um, yeah, th- there's no label that you carry. You know, you're not a widow, you're not a spinster, you're not anything. You just you're just devastated just missing a third of your you know a third of your heart so um yeah it's you know you could you've got two options and I and I I use Kai most of the time when I think about you know what are my options you know he wouldn't want me to sit in the corner Mm -hmm. you know I will see him again and he will be proud of what we've done you don't really want to bump into him and he'll go Oh, well, you started quite well, Mum, you know. <laughs> it was a good effort, but, you know. Kind of went downhill from there, yeah, didn't then it? it then <laughs> lost a bit then, of momentum. Then it, lost its, <laughs> then it lost its momentum. And, you know, what, what was that, you know, the last 25 years about? So, yeah. you know, now that we've got this ball rolling and we, we've created um, the foundation this far, um, there's no going back. There's no pulling the pin yeah. because, yeah, he will give me a high five and he will be proud of, of what we've done yeah. um, down the track. And... You mentioned going back to work afterwards. Yeah. How do you do that? Like I just, I can't, 
I can't fathom it. I can't fathom how you get up the next morning. Um, I mean, I, I took I took some time off, but I, again, um, I was I was acutely aware that obviously there are two more boys in the family, and I needed to be that role model to to tell the boys that you know bad stuff does happen, and and these are the options in life. You know, you either curl up in a ball and you know become an alcoholic, or tempting. Um, <laughs> and you know, there are days when you know. It, it, there is solace in the at the end of a bottle of wine um but really they do need to know that um no matter what life throws at you that you can stand up and and continue and I'm so proud um you know my oldest has gone on to teach my mid- my youngest one is at uni completing his teaching and um yeah they they talk fondly and you know we reminisce about Kai all the time mm. um but it, it hasn't it hasn't derailed them and and sent them off on a tangent. So yeah. I kind of wanted to be that person that could say, you know, w- nobody wanted this, but this is what we've been dealt with, and this yeah. is how we're going to get through it. So um, I think if we don't get to choose what happens, but we get we have um, choice of how we respond yeah. and how we yeah, react. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I mean, I obviously there was I can remember there was a day going, you know, screw it, I'm not going back to work. Yeah. <laughs> stuff that yeah um and then I actually realized I was turning my back on the entire community that had just supported me through the funeral and Mm. you know if if I couldn't even rock up and say thanks to the people that had been there and do that then what sort of person was I so actually going back to work and then obviously with with the fundraising and um work has you know been a super supportive environment for and probably an outlet and probably sometimes a little bit you know there are gray areas between how much you know I do foundation work and how much I ask all the people that come to physio to support <laughs> buy the merchandise <laughs> and buy the t-shirt or the pair of socks or the cap or the beanie or the drinks bottle or yeah. come to the fundraiser or the quiz night or whatever it is that we're organizing so um I guess you know this has the whole journey hasn't had uh, there was no there was no story pre post or during it's just kind of evolving as we go but I definitely recognize that I've exhausted the generosity of the side of the street community of of where I work and mm. now is the time to expand and to maybe step that circle out a little bit more uh, yeah, yeah. Look, look slightly further afield because like I say you know everybody's bought the black t-shirt the white t-shirt the gray hoodie um, <laughs> the, beanie, the cat the socks you know you know they're sick of me throwing merchandise at them so yeah. um so we are making that sort of corporate um progression hopefully to to a wider network and and not just to the Frio based people but to try and get not just south of the river but now north of the river and, and further afield and to get Kai Fella. Kai Fella will be as big as Beyond Blue, mark my words. Nice. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um you spoke about your you spoke about your um other two boys. Yeah. How old were they when this happened? Um so um Cam was um twenty two and Joey was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um yeah, I mean different perspectives on on the event as Cam as the older brother um obviously I think felt uh more responsibility towards not having solved the problem yeah um he's a a little bit similar to me in that respect Joey has you know just a beautiful 16 year old approach of Kai was sad and Kai's not sad anymore um Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know when I get sad and he tells me that then that's almost enough yeah just to because because half of the grief that you have is and again I had to do a bit of work about this but you know they say that you can't grieve 
you know, you, you're grieving for all the things that you thought were going to happen. Yeah. You're thinking of, you know, he was going to be one of my physios. He was going to come to work with me. You know, it was going to be the ascension. You know, I was going to the practice was going to continue in the family name, mm-hmm. and you kind of projected. He's going to get married. He was going to have children. You yeah, would have you, grandchildren. You, yeah, and you projected all that onto yeah. onto something, and and you actually can't grieve for something that hasn't happened. So you just have to, um, yeah, go back to the sixteen year old. And he was sad and he's not sad anymore. Yeah. I think that that's um, as well what you were saying about Cam feeling as though he was feeling guilty that he should have been able to solve the problem. Yeah. That I think a lot of people put that on themselves, that I should have seen or I should have known. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Again, and, you know, looking to the end of the wine bottle and asking that question, you know, Mm. I can sit there with with Joey, my youngest, you know, and and say, you know, what, you know, I should have been able to do more, you know, why couldn't we, we you know, we worked this out. And he's like, mum, you did everything, you you know, it, you couldn't have done any more. So yeah. I think, it, you know, the shoulda, woulda, coulda and the if onlys, mm. you, you really need to let go of those and you need really need to, to focus your energy on what you can do mm-hmm. on the flip side of the coin, not on, on the woulda, shoulda, coulda, because that's not going to, that doesn't. It's not going to help at all. It doesn't get you anywhere. No. Um, and just know, you know, I think I think the thing to be mindful of if, if anybody does have children going through any sort of issues is, you know, with all the support services in place, there are still big cracks in the net. So, you know, I thought having put all the support services in place and the psychiatry and the psychologists and the medications, I thought I was ticking all those boxes. Mm. But y- you're not. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you if you really have super concerns for your child's health and wellness um you know Kai didn't want to go to Perth clinic that was an option on that day and he'd already sussed out his exit plan um so he was offered Perth clinic and he declined um you know we really need to be working on the problems prior to them getting to the point of being offered Perth clinic because Perth clinic to a 20 year old is is something pretty scary you're probably you know I'd probably say no to Perth clinic and Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of it, that has stigmas associated with yeah. it. Um, so, um, yeah. How do we break down those stigmas? Um, I don't know if you know the answer to that. I, I, I don't know if I do know the answers. I mean, I suppose, you know, all, it, you know, communication is the key. And I think the school systems are going about it a lot better in, in addressing um, the whole anxiety mental health thing and talking about it and it not being such an issue as it was mm. um but yeah I mean the, just being a kid and it, it growing up now I think is super hard with you know social media expectations and you know and especially I think with you know with COVID and the restrictions that we've had for the last 15 18 months here in Western Australia, we haven't been as impacted as other parts of the world, but we've still had restrictions in place. And so we're trying to tell kids to spend less time on social media, less time connected to a screen, yeah. go outside more. Yeah. At the same time, all your classes need to be done online. Um, you know, uni's closed, TAFE's closed, yeah, schools for a certain period last year were closed. So we're going to disconnect you from all of your social connections. And the only way you can connect to those is online. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's um, And I think, you know, look, I think the federal um, budget earlier in the year, you know, highlighted the fact that we probably are going to see rises in mental health and people accessing services down yeah. the track because of COVID, um, yeah. you know. 
suicide rates can't get any worse. So, well, they Please can. Please don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they've, they've tripled in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we need to be, that's why I'm sort of a powerful advocate for what we're doing at a grassroots level is that we need to be giving kids skills younger and younger in, mm. in dealing with emotion and dealing with, with sadness and, and maybe the shitty side of life. Yeah. And not just, you know, all the social media of brag book and, you know, how glossy and wonderful does my life look. That's it. I think, you know, when you've got my reality versus your <laughs> polished version that you're yeah. putting on social media. Yeah. And when you make that comparison, it's really not healthy for anyone. No, no. So, um, yeah, I, I, mean, and I don't know. Know, how do we reverse that you know how do we how do we undo what's already been established within the social media mm. world I, I don't know how we do that no apart from talking to our kids and explaining to them that what they're seeing and all and all all the glory and all the beautiful things people you know I'd really like it if people put a few more shitty things up on Facebook you know yeah <laughs> you know what my house is never tidy and I think you know when my friends come over and say that that's my community service <laughs> yeah. no my house isn't tidy either <laughs> you know what cleaning my house is not part of my skill set but I'm just you know so so that people can come over and feel more comfortable that yeah. my house is not Instagram worthy yeah yeah yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. yeah that's what I'm doing that's my way of giving back how's giving that back. yeah perfect yeah um but have you found that oh so it's you know it's coming up to five years that's a that's a significant milestone for you mm. Um, yeah, and you know, you'd love to be able to say time is a healer and it gets easier, but um, unfortunately, in this case, yeah, it just means it's another year without him, and and that almost, um, yeah, it, it's really hard to fathom that it's actually been five years since I've seen him. So, and it, it I know it will be many, many more years because I'm going to live a very long life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, t- time in this situation doesn't doesn't really mend the broken heart unfortunately has it got easier and I know that as you come up to a milestone it's it must be feeling really quite raw for you at the moment um has it got easier I guess um it may be ebbs and flows in a little bit but you know the foundation and the work that we're doing and and looking looking to you know that out of the tragedy that we've experienced that we have had this opportunity to create something positive um if you can focus on that, you know, keep keep your eyes on the prize and, and try not to try and, you know, we talk a lot about the Coyote Foundation and, but then when you actually get back to the reason as to why you've started it, mm. then that can, that can be a little bit heartbreaking. So, um, I don't think it, I think, I think you're, the buttons that get pushed when we talk about it sometimes are switched on and sometimes are switched off. So mm. there might be good days for me and there may there may be more tricky days. Yeah. Do you find yourself feeling guilty because you're you know, you might have not thought about him for a little while or um, focused on the work rather than the reason behind it or you know? Um I, I mean it you know, it, it's it's such a, a funny thing that if that I think about him every day mm. um, and no disrespect to the other two boys, but in his absence, I must think about him more than I think about the other two boys because I guess I know that they're okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the irony is you end up not being here and you end up consuming my mind, you know. Mm. Um, so I, it's not that I, there isn't a day that goes by that 
I don't think about him in some shape or form. Yeah. You know, he he's. I, I I never wanted to lose the child and be that person that never spoke about him again. No. So um, as uncomfortable as as sometimes it is for people, I do like to talk about him. So um, you know, people will come into the practice and sometimes they don't know that I've you know the history behind the, the three of us or the mm. our family um and and that you know there are pictures and there our foundation posters are around so that you know people can gradually and there's a lot of merchandise around so they can <laughs> sort of see see that they've sort of stepped into yeah a, a, a dual world really of mm. um our foundation and the site and the physio practice as well yeah and have you found you know yourself trying to make sure that you keep that balance of making sure that you are there for um you know for your two boys and not turning your house into a shrine um i'm i'm very mindful of not turning my house into a shrine um i i mean we we don't i don't um we we you know we haven't saved the bedroom so that it looked oh. like you know kai's last yeah. sleep or anything like that um I had an an interesting occasion where a photographer wanted to come around and, you know, it was obviously um, something to do with the West and they wanted, you know, an image of, you know, perhaps me sitting, clutching a, a photo. Clutching his teddy on the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, it's the laundry now, so we can go and stand with the washing machine if you like. How um, did you turn a bedroom into the laundry? Well, I mean, there must have been some major renovations unless well, you had no, him sleeping so, in a laundry. Well, the, the funniest thing, <laughs> so... We've only got a little tiny house. The three boys used to sleep together. Ah. Um, eventually, Cam got to sleep. Got to sleep in the third bedroom, and then Kai and Joey shared the bedroom for a long time. And there's four years between Kai and Joey, and mm. all he wanted was his own room, and all we had was the laundry. So we were sort of able to con- <laughs> convert the laundry into a bedroom for him. So it had a loft bed with a little study table underneath, and that was literally all that fitted in there. And yeah, that where did your washing machine go? Went outside onto the deck. <laughs> So, and so then, uh, you know, his bedroom, we just converted the laundry back. Back to the laundry. Back to the laundry. Um, yeah, um, but for me, you know, people know that if they can send me anything with a rainbow on, that that, that is the cheerful thing that I would have in my house. So yeah. um, if you look around my house, I've got like uh, rainbow candles, rainbow mugs, rainbow doormat, rainbow key ring. Mm. Um, so there's, there's little bits for me that, you know, I am the crazy rainbow lady and I don't want to be the person that, you know, has, yeah, clutches his teddy on his, on his bed yeah. um, and has that sad, I, I want, I want him to be rem- remembered and I want it to be a happy memory. Mm. Not, um, I mean, obviously it's, a, it's not a happy topic to discuss, but um, it's a real topic and, um, but it can have, a, we can make a positive change. That's my goal. Yeah. And so the rainbows make up part of the logo for the Kai fella. Yeah, they do a rainbow yeah. on a skateboard. Yeah. So Kai, um, Kai was a skateboarder? Kai was a skateboarder. Um, and when the kids were, were quite young, so Joey was too young to go, but I think Kai would only have been probably 11 or 12 and Cam must have been 16. Um, they would have um, spent a summer holidays just creating, doing street skating. And yeah. They created... They, there would have been a, a mob of them that went around various spaces through the school holidays. So they each created um, a little YouTube clip um, ah. and it was set to music. You can actually see that on if you Google Kai Erdley Get Lucky. <laughs> um, and it's it's all his, um, he was an amazing skateboarder and it's all his skateboarding tricks to a, a three minute song. Um, we played it at his funeral because it was, 
it kind of showed just his tenacity of yeah. falling off and getting, getting back, back up, up again. and trying again. And you know, he was he was a surfer, he was a water baby, he was um, yeah, he was a skater. So um, yeah, a rainbow on a skateboard um, seemed like the perfect logo for us as as it evolved, and it was literally just. You know, nothing was, there was no business planning to this model. It's just, <laughs> just rolling out as we go. Yeah, sometimes that's the best way. Yeah. You know, yeah. when there's less red tape, you can move where where you need to move. Yeah. yeah. Move the so, way that you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And what, if you were talking to family or the mum of somebody who has just gone through a similar experience yeah. to what you have. Yeah. What would or what would you have wanted to know way back at the beginning? What would you want to share with someone who was starting this journey? Um, I mean, if they're starting, if they're starting the journey with with somebody who's just been diagnosed with raging depression or anxiety, then you know, I guess my ignorance was that I didn't know that depression killed. I understood mm. that my child had anxiety and depression, but I didn't think that my where my outcome was going. Um, and you know, statistically, as the mother of three boys at that time, aged between fifteen and twenty-four, the statistic for that age group is six boys a day will take their life. Mm. And I actually had three of them, mm. and I had one very unwell one. Yeah. And I still didn't take the suicide option as as an option that was being presented to me. Yeah. Um, despite the psychiatrist saying, you know, would do you want to be admitted to Perth Clinic? I, I to me, it still wasn't. I thought that he would come to me if, if there were those thoughts in his brain. So um, Were you with him when the psychiatrist asked that? Yeah, yeah. And did he said, no, I don't want to go to Perth Clinic. Did the psychiatrist oh, – sorry, I've cut you off, but um, did the psychiatrist say to you, look, this is really serious and I'm, I'm concerned here? Um, he basically said, look, you don't have private health cover, if, top private health cover. If you want to go home and upgrade your private health cover to cover – Perth Clinic that is an option that you could you could do at the moment it's going to be five grand a week and I think Kai was just mortified at the money I was churning out in an attempt because it's not cheap to go and see a psych it's Mm. 500 bucks a pop yeah um and you know to him I think he thought you know you're pouring money down the drain this is not this is not going to get better um so yeah you know, it, it was the first time I'd met the psychiatrist. I phoned him up the next day and explained the situation. I said, look, we've lost him. And, uh, you know, I can remember sitting on the step outside my house because I, f- I didn't want to point the finger of blame at him. But, yeah. you know, he just said, Claire, these are random acts. We could have had him admitted to Perth Clinic. And if it was in his head, he still um, would have done it. He still would have done it. Yeah. And, and that's the bit where, you know, when people say that, you know, we're putting children on suicide watch, I think, can we watch them 24 hours a day? Mm. Um we, we really need to be trying to solve those issues before we get to the point where kids are not taken we're not we're not being serious about how the extent of their sadness really and yeah you know as a parent who probably speaks out around the loss of kai you know i am probably a target to other people finding me through the foundation and through the work that we do and you know i've i've spoken to a few ladies now who are you know the mothers of sons that they've lost um and yeah you know you're united in in the same grief um we all have different ways of dealing with it and yeah for me the foundation was just the easiest way to 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 do something positive channel all of that grief and turn it into something positive yeah yeah, yeah, a bit like the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did cut you off there. And okay. so what what would you want to say to people who are going through this? Look, you know, from a 
you know, if there is a way out, there is help, you know, don't give up. Mm. Um, there are some amazing psychologists out there, you know, you're not automatically going to find the right fit the first time you go to see a, a psych. You've got to find somebody that just, you know, can unlock your brain and can help you see the way out. But mm. um, to take your life is not, it's not the solution. Um, you know, I sometimes, <laughs> I sometimes wonder if, if Kai looks back at down and, and can see not the devastation, but the ripple effect of the number of lives that, that this has affected. Mm. And, and just know that, you're worth it and it will get better no matter how far down that tunnel you are there are other doors and other ways out for you other than the exit route so um and I know that you you know you don't want to go back and look at the what ifs and the shoulda coulda woulda but I'm imagining that you have (laughs) because I don't think that you could not I don't think you could go through that so if you were if you had your time over with Kai again yeah what would you have done differently like you said that um you know don't wait until you're at that pointy end yeah how how can we make sure that we're supporting people earlier you know i guess knowing the warning signs knowing you know the um not ignoring behavioral change in your child Mm -hmm. not you know the sleep deprivation um you know Kai, kai was an adult he was 20 um you know Really, as a parent, I think we have input. You know, we're, we're lucky if we can make a change up to probably about the age of nine or ten. I think they say with boys and beyond that, it's just you know you've kind of got the formative years in place, and the the rest is left left to to chance almost. But you know, you can't really control a child beyond eighteen years of age. They're an adult; they can make mm. their own decisions. But you know, if you can detect changes in your child in the fifteen, sixteen-year-old bracket, and you can see them losing sleep, and you can see mood swings. Um, you know, um, Kai, w- Kai had all of those. You know, he couldn't sleep at night, um, loss of appetite, um, you know, the panic attacks. The writing was, you know, almost there for me on the wall, but I just didn't read it. I, I didn't read it as well as I could have. It's very tricky because all of those things, what we are told, are normal for, yeah. you know, teenage boys going through puberty and you know that whole well yeah teenage boys they don't sleep they don't talk they just grunt don't come out of their room don't talk to anyone don't shower don't you know all of those things that we're told is normal uh yeah and I suppose you know the other thing I I would and this is no detriment to any of the the healthcare systems is um you know my boys were relatively fit and, and healthy boys but we don't we've lost that connection of a family GP. Mm. So you could look into Kai's eyes and I can show you a picture of Kai and you can see that he's lost. Yeah, the spark's the gone. The spark's gone. Um, and I think to any any practitioner that's known that child from from ha- his behaviour as a as a 8, 9, 10-year-old yeah. to his behaviour as a 16, 17-year-old, you, you would be like, holy shit, there's something the matter with this child. He went six, seven, eight, nine times to different GPs who, you know. Ten minutes if you're lucky. um, Yeah, who, you know, suggested maybe go and take some sleepy tea, try 20 minutes of physical exercise, um, you know, take some, um, you know, meditation, listen to some meditation tapes. You know, it's hard for, like I say. All really useful tips, you know. All all excellent ideas, but. Definitely but get outside, get some fresh air, get some exercise, make sure that, you're you eating know, good he, food. He ran his socks off. He yeah. went and ate the best food possible. Yeah. And yet still inside, I think that he just lacked 
the happy the happy chemicals that were in his brain. I think for whatever reason there was the chemical imbalance and all the happy chemicals had gone and we were mm. just left with um just a really sad a sad person. Yeah. And you know, I made efforts to try and to try and refill those batteries. Him and Joey went off on a surfing holiday to Bali, you know, and I was like, you know, just try and get all, all the things that you like, all the sun, the surfing, yeah. the good diet, you know, the sunshine. And I picked him up from the airport. This is probably only two weeks before he died. And um, I looked and I could see as soon as he walked through well, that the arrivals that the lights had gone back out in his eyes. And even if there was a little sparkle while he was away, it, it, it just, whatever it was about being in Perth, just... So it, reality came crashing back and... Yeah, yeah. Dulled um, that spark. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it's as clear as... It's as clear as day for me to look back on those photos as to see those see his eyes when he, he'd lost the sparkle. So I think, it, you know, listen to your gut intuition if you're a parent, if you can mm. see that in your child and you can see that behavioural change and, um, and, yeah, don't just... Don't, don't get fobbed off that it's normal or that... You know, and I, I had plenty... You know, I spoke to plenty of friends and they were like, it's just a phase, he'll grow out yeah. of it, you know, don't worry... I was like, no, honestly, things the wheels are falling off. This is yeah. shit. Yeah. And I guess I knew. And if I, you know, they do say listen a little bit to your gut. Mm. Yeah. And I, um, you know, when my son was very little, I was taking to him a couple of different doctors because I, you know, in my gut, I knew that there was something that we needed to, to work on. And um, the first doctor prescribed medication on the spot i'm like mm, yeah let, let's maybe think you've about known that. him for about four minutes yeah i'm not sure that this is the best course of action the fourth doctor told me that i was neurotic and i needed medicating yeah. and um you know because we as you say we don't have that good connection no. with gps anymore we don't have that ability to be able to to check things out and to question and often the professionals are very quick to go oh no it's normal it's fine you know whatever yeah and you can be if you're worried about being labeled as neurotic or a helicopter mum or things like yeah. that you just got to push through sometimes and yeah. go yeah look you can think what you want of me in my gut I know something's not right mm. and, I, and I suppose you know as as an allied health professional myself you know when people I you know that's one of my questions is do you know do you have a regular GP and they're like no I don't need to go to a doctor and I said well, you know, that's it's great, but it's also really important that you do have a connection with somebody. Yeah. I said, so if the wheels do fall off, somebody's got you back. Because, yeah. you know, that was what I did notice about, you know, the GPs that knew me. Um, mm. You know, they were super supportive. Um, and, and yeah, there are an amazing doctors out there that can get you through, but, it you know, find a good one and, yeah. and create that rapport. And, yeah, wh if you only go once every two years, at least they know when you turn up, you turn up for a valid reason and you're yeah. not just going for a yarn. Going for a <laughs> Tuesday afternoon visit. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah um, so that's – and, again, I'm no expert, but that's just with my personal experience with general practice. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on, I guess, as you've me moved through it, has there been anything that has made it easier for you or been anything that has – um, been surprising or you know uplifting um i mean the journey the journey 
and association with the with the Melbourne guys um, has been, you know, I've got some some great friends and associates over in Melbourne. I mean, we don't get to go over there for, or haven't been over for the last couple of years. Mm. But um, yeah, really, really strong support from a group of people who are doing amazing work with with youth. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have had that. You know, that, that these are all upsides of of connections or extensions of friendships that I would not necessarily you know I would have been wouldn't necessarily have had so um I suppose community support and seeing just how much how much you know people that aren't family want to help you through a difficult time um you know I've got like huge respect for the community that have supported me and and helped me to to get where where we've got the foundation this far and um yeah huge respect for the guys over in melbourne tomorrow tomorrow man tomorrow woman and and the work that they're doing and and i do feel very honored very privileged to be able to support their work this is a um possibly a tricky question but do you think that with starting the foundation does it feel heavy does it feel like you've taken up this work not necessarily because it's something that you've chosen but because it's you know do you feel obligated to keep going um well I I feel the obligation because because of my belief that I will see Kai Mm. and that I'm not failing on his behalf and I'm not having him telling me I've done a half-assed job so um (laughs) there is obligation and there is you know I don't I, I will continue this journey through the foundation yeah for as long as I'm here on the planet. So um, it's not something that I think you dabble in, you go, oh, we might start um, a charity. Oh, that's all quite hard. People don't really want to give, do they? Um, and it is really hard starting a charity. And it has been challenging. And again, you know, like I say, there's no business model. You just roll through it with whatever whatever skills you have and with the support of whoever you can find to drag in for the mm. journey while you're getting there. Um but to to have got this far and and to still you know uh, nearly five you know it will be five years next week and and to still have have that foundation and that um, charitable status and to know that we're supporting more workshops and we're going to continue to grow, mm. um, it's 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 pressure but it's a good pressure it's you know it's the foot on the pedal and moving forward. Yeah, and do you think that it's it's helping you or do you think that it's like adding you to a risk of burnout um I, I don't think there's burnout um I think um I'm definitely guilty of keeping busy mm. um and, and being busy doesn't allow time for idle thoughts um I I, I work full-time and then squeeze in the foundation work around my full-time job and I do want to get a better balance so that I work a little bit less in the physio practice and do uh, I have a little bit more time mm-hmm. for occasions like this that don't happen, you know, squeezed in in yeah. you know in an hour that I've got free. Um, and I do, you know, I think that this work, you know, p- clients have asked me, you know, what would you do if you didn't have the practice? You know, that's all you've done. And I was like, well, I just do more foundation work. You know, mm-hmm. I've got purpose. It's not like I'm going to retire and, um, you know, sit on my bottom um yeah, a week of that would be quite nice don't you think yeah a week's holiday yeah. every now and would be great but um yeah no I think this is the you know Silas Street has the purpose of Silas Street was feed clothe and educate the boys and mm. I feel that you know we achieved that um and um I'm I'm happy for that just to tick along in the background now and 
I, I recognise that unless I put more energy and effort into the foundation, these things don't grow by themselves. Mm. They do need to be pushed and stirred and um, yeah. chivied along. So that's that's where I want to pour my energy now. Ah, and have your boys become part of this as well? Um, they they definitely attend occasions. You mm-hmm. know, they they're always good for um, all the balls and um, all the black tie events and the free drinks. That's <laughs> yeah. that's always popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had an amazing occasion at the Ritz Carlton a couple of uh, last October. Um, so yeah, so they they they're super helpful. They'll sell merch. They'll um, I haven't quite got them into the public speaking forum, but. Um, yeah, give, it give it time. Yeah. <laughs> Cam's a much better public speaker than I am. And yeah, maybe, there w- you know, there was some talk of maybe him doing some sort of facilitation work and being involved a little bit with the, the whole Tomorrow Man set up. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of options for, for us to continue um, yeah. down the track. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a positive outlet for them. And I think it, it helps them put a positive slant on yeah. missing their brother. And so um, you said Cam's a teacher and Joey's yeah. training to be to a be teacher. A teacher yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think are they secondary teachers or? Yeah, Cam teaches um, at Iona in Mosman Park. <sighs> so yeah. I'm wondering whether or not the you know this kind of work influences how he's interacting with some of those teens as well. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think he's got a lot more insight into mm. mental health and how kids are travelling and probably recognises you know his importance and his his position within the school of being you know supportive of students that some who aren't coping some who are you know Mm. turning up at girls footy events on the weekend you know as their teacher you know extracurricular stuff that he just does you know is I'm super proud of him yeah teachers really do make a huge difference yeah and I think you know it could it could be the difference between you know support getting that support at you know in those middle senior years that can turn a child from gloom to you know yeah to shining and with the work that you do with the foundation and trying to balance that and looking after yourself, yeah, do you find it can be quite difficult when you're trying to live with your own grief and process your own grief to have other people come up and share their grief with you? Um, I mean, I think, you know, probably the physio training and just being able to put up that boundary between listening to somebody else's problems and it blending with your own. Mm. I think... Um, I mean, I think having had an experience such as my own, it gives me probably some depth of empathy that I've not wouldn't previously have had if people had shared really difficult stories with Mm me. Um, You know, I do try to practice, um, you know, yoga or um, something to try and refill my um, my central level of. Refill your cup. My cup, yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I do recognise that you do need physical health to be mentally well as well. And mm. and for me, the physicality of yoga with the quietness of the yoga sort of ma- marries those two together, and I'm sort of it, it's a, a nice space to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, Helps balance out the keeping busy so that you don't yeah. have that mental plat- um, yeah. chatter and also yeah. finding time for quiet. Yeah. Yeah, mm. so, and, you know, I haven't, COVID was tricky and we were practicing yoga at home and it's not quite the same. I it's do need, really not, is it? I do need the yoga studio, but... Um, Especially if you've got dogs. My three dogs come and climb underneath yeah, me while yeah. I'm practicing yoga yeah. at home. I'm like, seriously, I can only hold this for so long. I'm going work- to crush is, you. It's not working, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
so yeah and and i do know when i did practice regularly in the studio the hour was dedicated to kai and so it was just a really nice quiet space that mm. i would allow my brain to to be with him yeah yeah and it's i guess it's tricky in that we're trying to talk about how important it is to speak about experiences because mm-hmm. when we talk about experiences then we remove some of the stigma of them and um, and we let people know that you're not alone and um, I think you said one in six boys will attempt to take their life six boys a day six boys a day will, will attempt su- will succeed age between 15 and 24 when we're looking at six boys a day is that in Australia mm-hmm. so six boys a day in Australia are taking their own lives two girls a day as well so we're losing eight of our children eight every of day our children yeah which means there are eight parents out there every day yeah. who are losing a child yeah that is huge yeah yeah like, and and you know it's not as you know we lose more people to suicide than we do to road death but um we don't seem to be pouring the funds into explaining that to the community or to yeah. i mean and i do say to people if people come to me at, at the practice and tell me that their kids are struggling i tell them you know it's great you're getting the psychologist or you're getting the GP involved, but, you know, that safety net isn't foolproof. Don't think mm. that you've ticked all the boxes. I thought yeah. I'd done that. So I'm giving you the worst-case scenario. Yeah. But, you know, be aware that... Be a bit vigilant. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's all, I, like I say, all I can say is based on my own personal mm. experience. So, um, uh, um, so with the... I guess, you know, I asked you whether or not it's hard for you to hear other people's experiences with yeah. that, but at the same time we're saying... Well, let's, you know, try and talk about this more often. How do people go when they hear you speak about, you know, speak about losing Kai? And, you know, I think there's still this stigma around suicide and, you know. I think it's always quite, you know, it's it's unusual. People don't get up and say, you know, hi, my name's Claire and I lost my son to suicide. It's not something that is comfortably spoken about. And Mm. that is, you know, one of our one of our goals with the foundation is to reduce the suicide the stigma around suicide yeah. and 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 years and years ago and probably going back into the 50s and the 60s in the US they thought that there was this sort of copycatting and so that's sort of where journalism has um, originated from the fact that if a suicide was um, reported on in the newspaper then there seemed to be a, 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 yeah, a spike, spike in it, in it, in it. Yeah. so then you know it stops being reported on and then it, we stop talking about it mm. and then we've created the elephant in the room. So, yeah, um, yeah I think, you know, the, the scary thing is, is is if you're, you know, in a room full of people, you could probably see that almost even not directly through family loss, but everybody will know of somebody who's lost somebody to suicide. Mm. So um, it's out there. It's <laughs> We just shouldn't be losing such a, a you know, a vibrant... Out of our children every day. Yeah. And mm. and that's just in that category that we will be losing. It will spike again in the over 60s, um, yeah. again in men more than women. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a dreadful statistic. It really is, yeah. Um, and I, I think when you flip it around and think that's eight families every day yeah. that are being impacted by, um, you know, that's eight schools, eight communities, eight... Yeah. This is, it is a dreadful statistic. Mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm not a parent. I don't point the finger of blame at anybody. <coughs> um, you know, I, I think there was some some responses to, to loss where, you know, we look outwardly, we don't, you know, we start pointing the fingers that it's your fault, it's mm. the school, it's the teacher, it's the mates, it's 
you know it's everybody else's problem except our own mm. i think yeah don't point the finger don't <laughs> don't don't beat yourself up don't beat anybody else up but just um acknowledge where we're at and and try and do try and create not some good out of it but yeah some awareness or mm. um yeah know that you're not that you're not alone going through this and that there, you know i've had i would have had i don't know how many parents approach me having lost children um just because i probably put my name out there and yeah and emails at the bottom of our website yeah <laughs> so, uh, yeah it's always very you know it's always you know it's either friends who have lost their their best mate and they want to do you know they want to support they they want to raise money for you know to honor their friend mm. um you know and and all the stories are all quite similar you know who was the most vibrant gregarious you know big-hearted fellow and and he's the one that's not here and yeah and you know that's my story that's their story that that, that seems to be the story. and you know kai had the I'm, world at his feet he had yeah he yeah he couldn't see it no um and you know he, for all intents and purposes you know he was he couldn't recognize his own self-worth he couldn't see how brilliant he was mm. and and self-recognition and you know is not being able to see that i think is is a super tragedy and we can all see it in we can all see it in hindsight. You know, you ask the boys; they'll tell you he was the smartest, most handsome out of the three of them, <laughs> by far. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you know, naughtiest, smartest. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, um, you know, with the, with the option of you know a good job ahead of him, beautiful girlfriend, mm. loving, supportive family. Yeah. You know, did really well in his ATAR, studying yeah. what he wanted to study. Yeah, yeah, and. And th- I guess that's the thing that the material goods or the doesn't, you know it doesn't mean doesn't anything. Doesn't mean anything. So you no. know, it, it and t- you can't pick who who it's likely to be either. No, um, and you know, and you wonder whether it, you know is it something I did as a parent? You know, d- I thought I parented like I say the three of them equally. Um, you know, nature versus nurture. Yeah, I th- you know I've kind of slackened off a little bit more on Joey, who you know hasn't taken the typical route of. You know, he's 21, but he hasn't completed all of his uni yet mm. because he's like, Mom, I'm just going to do a couple of units. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, a bit more casual about life. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, it's better to be casual than happy. Yeah. And that that's <laughs> it. It does help you kind of put things into perspective Quite, yeah. a little bit, doesn't it? Um, so before we wrap up for this episode, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of this and let me letting me dig into some very painful wounds. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, no, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to to talk and um, yeah, share my experience. It will make some people uncomfortable. It's not a, a pleasant topic to talk about, but um, yeah, um, anybody going through it, know that you're not alone. Reach mm-hmm. out to you know you can reach out to our foundation. Um, you know, kaifella dot com. All be in the show notes. You'll yeah. find my email. Um, yeah, but thank you for having me and, yeah, I hope I haven't been too teary. Yeah. No, I very much appreciate you coming on and um, I'll try and cut out most of the parts where both of us cried. Thank you so much. for joining me for today's episode of a hidden world of women a podcast brought to you by women's health and well-being services 
For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.